0: 16, what's interesting is that this is a name given by somebody that's not Jewish, by this woman we call Hagar, and we don't really know what her real name is, because Hagar just means stranger, and she's not one of us, so we call her stranger. It's an interesting interesting story when you understand it from that perspective. Genesis chapter 16, and we're going to pick up in the middle of this story, and then I'll go back and tell you the whole thing in a moment. Genesis chapter 16, verse 7. When you find it, stand with me for the reading of the Word. Genesis 16, verse 7. Now the angel of the Lord found her by a spring of water in the wilderness, By the spring on the way to Shur. And he said, "Haggard, Sarai's maid, where have you come from and where are you going? She said, I am fleeing from the presence of my mistress, Sarai. The angel of the Lord said to her, return to your mistress and submit yourself under her hand. Then the angel of the Lord said to her, I will multiply your descendants exceedingly so that they shall not be counted multitude for multitude. And the angel of the Lord said to her, Behold, you are with child, and you shall bear a son, and you shall call his name Ishmael, because the Lord has heard your affliction. And he shall be a wild man, and his hand shall be against every man, and every man's hand against him. And he shall dwell in the presence of all of his brethren. Then she called the name of the Lord who spoke to her. You are the God who sees, or in Hebrew, El Roy. For she said, Have I also, have I also here seen him who sees me? Therefore, the well is called Beir Leho Roy. Observe it as it is between Kadesh and Barad. So Hagar bore Abram a son, and Abram named his son who, whom Hagar bore Ishmael. And Abram was 86 years old when Hagar bore Ishmael to Abram. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word today. I pray your blessing over this this message this morning. May your glory fill this moment. May your glory continue to bless your people today. God, over the next couple of minutes here, I pray that you would fill my mouth with your words, that we may hear thus says the word of the Lord. Jesus, you are welcome in this room. And Lord, we ask that your blessings fill us today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Hagar means stranger. Where is she from? If you go back in your Bibles and look at the beginning of the chapter, the Bible says, Now Sarai, Abram's wife, had borne him no children, and she had an Egyptian maidservant whose name was Hagar." That's what they called her, Hagar, stranger. She had an Egyptian maidservant. This is interesting because what we know in Genesis chapter 15, in Genesis 15, God has is speaking with Abram and giving him this, this understanding of what's going to take place in the future, and telling him about the story and God's covenant with Abraham. You can read this from, uh, in, in, in it's a in your own time, but there's a verse 12 gets into more of it. And it says, when the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell on Abram, and behold, horror and great darkness fell upon him. Then he said to Abram, No certainty that your descendants will be strangers in a land that is not theirs and will serve them, and they will afflict them for four hundred years years. Now, you wake up from that nightmare and somebody in your house is from there and they call her stranger. Now, I don't have time to fully develop all that, but there is the reality. Sometimes in life when we are facing something in a, in a significant way, we kind of zero our, our issue on a particular person rather than Giving it to God. Sometimes we identify our trouble on somebody else. And here Hagar is now this this victim of, of, of this misunderstanding of what God was trying to tell Abram. God was warning Abram what is coming in the future. But what you will see if you study this completely out and parallel it with Exodus, what we find is that there is a, there is a time when God is, is, is showing a, a literally an Exodus of Hagar on her own. Where she was in this house, she was in Abram's care, she was called a stranger, she was a servant to these people, and then she was just thrown away as if she was worthless or had no use or had no no uh, help for them. And as... As the situation progressed, Sarai heard heard the story of what was going on, apparently, and so there's this conflict between Sarai and Hagar, especially when she conceives, and she Sarai hurt she cannot. You see, we get bitter when somebody is not when somebody else is getting their blessing and you're waiting on yours. When somebody else receives their miracle, sometimes if we get impatient and what we got to realize is that God's timing is perfect timing. God's plan is perfect plan, and there is not always the answer that we thought of. You know, I, many times I kind of think I'm a microwave generation kid, meaning that I want my blessing yesterday, I want it already here. But God has a way of developing us and forming us and delivering us and healing us and taking our issues and allowing them to do a work for through us with God. The Bible tells us that, that here we are in the middle of a situation, in the middle of a, of a storm, so to speak, in this literal woman's life called Hagar, who is stranger. And see that she was not included. She was cast out. She was thrown away. What is God going to do? Now, here, here's the problem for us. You and I, we're not included either. In fact, we could all be called Hagar. We could all be called uh, Gentile, so to speak. We all could be called the stranger. Why? None of us that I'm aware of are Jewish. You're not born of the family of Abraham. You're not a Jewish individual. You didn't receive from Abraham your lineage. Thereby you are a stranger to God and stranger to the word of what God has gave through through uh, Moses and through the Jewish people. The Bible tells us that Jesus even said salvation is from the Jews. They They're the carrier of that seed. And Jesus came forth and was a Jew and died as a Jew. So all this, all this we understand is we are separate. What we know is through Jesus Christ we have been brought close and we have been brought near and our our destiny has changed because we have listened to the voice of Christ and done. A, he did a new thing and changed us. You see, the Bible tells us that we were adopted into the family of God. We're no longer strangers, but now we're children. We were, we're no longer outsiders, but we are brought in. And perhaps one of the hardest things in the world to deal with is stranger. Being a stranger. Being a place where you don't know anybody. Being a place where you don't have any friends. Being in a place where you're, this is the first time that you've been here and not, and you don't recognize the, the environment. You're not comfortable with what's going on and you don't know of who you can trust or what you can do. And Being a stranger is one of the hardest things in life you can be. What we have to do in in life, Jesus tells us, he says, you've got to love your neighbor. And the priority of the Pentateuch or the Torah or the law of Moses, the priority is welcoming strangers. Bringing them, being part of you. Being part of the family. Being part of God. Being part of what's going on. Being part of the issue that's, that's happening and here we find, as, as Hagar is brought into this, whether we understand the, the complete scenario or, I mean, listen, this is an ancient world. I mean, Abraham's time is 4,000 years ago, long time ago. I, I held a lamp from the time of Abraham, one of them old type clay lamps, and I, I held it. And the first thing I asked the archaeologist allowed me to hold it is, why are you allowing me to hold this? But anyway, he was crazy. But these things, this is, is 1800 B.C. We don't know this environment. We don't understand what's happening there. We we're not fully grasping everything that is there. That's not our era. That's not our time. But the principle that we can see is God was not pleased with their actions. That God was not pleased of how they treated her. Even though she was not family and even though she was not part of them, God was not happy about her treatments. And so this, this story goes on. And the Bible says in verse 7, as she ran, as she was harshly treated, excuse me, in verse 6, she fled from Sarai's presence and they cast her out. Sarai being jealous, later to be called Sarah, being jealous over all this, the, the, the happenings that, that Hagar was involved in. And then verse 7, the angel of the Lord found her by a spring of water, in the wilderness, and by the spring on the way to shore. So here we know. It's interesting, some powerful words there. Okay, number one, the angel was going after her. Not Abraham, not somebody else. The Bible says the angel found her. What does find mean? He was searching for her. He was searching for her location. Everybody else threw her away, but God went looking for her. It's as if the angel walked into Abram's house, and the angel didn't see Hagar there and said, where is she? You see, this goes back to the question that, that the Bible tells us that God asked himself when he walked into the Garden of Eden, and there Adam and Eve were hiding, and he says, where are you? We know God is omnipotent, omniscient, omnipresent. He knows right where Adam and Eve are hiding. He's not asking their location. He's saying, you are distant from me now. Your relationship is broken. Where are you? And literally, it's a prayer of lament. In that whole era there, it's the same word essentially in Lamentations chapter 1 verse 1 where the Bible says how lonely sits the city. That word how is the same word as where are you. It's looking over Jerusalem and saying where is everybody. It's gone. The blessing's gone. The miracle's gone. And now the angel of the Lord has gone after Hagar. And he is searching for her, looking for her. You're not where you're supposed to be. You're not in the path that I have planned for you. You're not in the destiny that I have for you. You're not where you need to be, Haggard. He found her in the wilderness. The wilderness means it's a, it's a, the wilderness is very poetic in the Old Testament. It literally is mid bar or mid, or literally with the M in our word, sometimes in, uh, we sometimes, uh, Hyphenate, not hyphenate. Contract, I think that's the word. N-O-T. So like we could not, couldn't. In Hebrew, yeah, I don't know what that is. Yeah, I don't care anymore. (laughs) It just negates it. My wife's looking at me like, just get on with it. Hebrew puts an M in front of the word. And so, to, to negate the thing, or to create the situation and in this case it's mid the bar or no word literally where the, she is she's in a place of the wilderness where there's no word and she's sitting by water you see this is I don't have time like I said to layer the parallels with the, the children of Israel but they left Egypt and they were sitting by a water waiting for the word to come over but we'll, we'll, The Red Sea we'll, uh, They've also or A couple of whales Looking for them We'll get we'll Another day sometime But here we are She's sitting there With no word What does that mean? She has no hope she has no answer, she is lonely, she is by herself and she's carrying a child, the home that she was in, she's been cast out of she's been treated viciously and she's been rejected by the people whom she thought loved her and now they treated her harshly and there is this whole relationship trouble going on there and now we see the whole issue of of what am I going to do, I'm just going to sit down here and die so to speak, I'm giving up, I'm just going to sit by this And the angel of the Lord found her by the spring, found her in the wilderness by a spring, found her in a place where there was no hope, there was no word, there was no way out. And he spoke to her and said, Hagar, Sarai's maid, where have you come from? There's that crazy word again. Where have you come from? We know he knows. What's going on? Where have you come from? And where are you going? You see, this is what God asks all of us when we walk into sin. What are you doing here? Angel shows up to you. In the middle of a moment, and you know you're not doing right, and you know you haven't been going down the ray, but people treated you harshly, so you're angry, you're bitter, you're sitting by a water, by by a spring in the middle with no words, you're not getting anything, and then God invades your presence and says, what's going on, and why are you here, and where are you going? What do you think you're doing with all this? What do you think is happening with all this situation? Why, why are you sitting in a place where you don't belong? Why are you sitting in an environment where you should not be sitting? You should be home. You should be with your family. You should be with, with the house of Abram. That's where you belong. Why are you here? And why, what are you doing? Meaning that you have no destination, you have no direction, you have no place that you're going. You're just out there meandering in the wilderness and you just came upon this spring. And this is what sin does to you. We, we get at lost in sin and we start meandering around, going from place to place looking for, and all. we just found this spring here so we're just going to sit here for a while. I found a little blessing so I sit here for a while. Let me take it to practicality here. We find that relationship with that person. And we just sit there for a while, friend, whatever, people that you shouldn't be with, springs that you shouldn't be involved with. This isn't where you need to be. And the longer you hang out with them, the further away you'll be from where you need to be. The further away you'll be from what God is doing. And so she tells him, she says, listen. She tells the angel. She just answers him. I am fleeing, verse 8 says, from the presence of my mistress Sarah. I I am fleeing from her. She has treated me harshly. I'm running away. I don't want to be around. I don't want to be someplace where I'm not wanted. I mean, we we would not discourage this idea. In fact, we do this a lot. This isn't something that we would look at. But the angel said to her, listen, this isn't your path. This isn't your destiny. This isn't what I'm planning for you. The angel of the Lord said to her, return to your mistress and submit yourself under her hand. Then the angel of the Lord said to her, I will multiply your descendants exceedingly. It's not until she she recognized where she is, it's not until she's willing to go back, that the promise of blessing returns. You see, sometimes we try to escape the trial. We try to escape the storm. We try to escape the struggle. We try to escape what God has literally led us into. And then we run from it like the disciples were fleeing from the storm. We're upset that Jesus is asleep in the boat. We're we're trying to figure out what God is doing, and we, we have no idea what's happening. And God says, if you go to the place you know you're supposed to be, if you go back to the place where your destiny lies, if you go back to the place where your blessing is, There is where you're going to be multiplied. There is where your blessing is going to be. There is where your deliverance is going to be. Well, God, it's painful. I know it's painful, but what I'm going to do out of that pain is going to multiply you and bless you and deliver you and show the whole world that I can do anything I want to do. You see, when you recognize that the pain is trying to to force you into a hole or trying to force you down a path that you don't want to go, listen, you need to rebuke it in the name of Jesus and stand there and say, I've been with the Lord. I know what He's doing. I don't have an answer for this right now, but I know in whom I believe, and I will not back down. I will not run away. I'm going to go back because my blessing is there. My blessing is right where that pain is. My my blessing is right there. Yes, they may treat me harshly, but my miracle is waiting on me. And the Bible says, as He promised her, so that He not, shall not be counted with the multitude. Meaning, He's just not going to dissolve into everybody else. He's going to be unique. He's going to be his own person. And the angel of the Lord said to her, verse eleven. It goes on, behold, you're a child, and you shall bear a son. You shall call his name Ishmael because the Lord has heard your affliction. God heard about it. He's with you. A son of God. This is the essence of going on. This is the essence of what he has heard. He heard your affliction. I mean, I'm not too keen on the verse 12. He shall be a wild man. I get that. That's just the devil telling, I mean, excuse me, that's just the angel telling you what's going to happen. Boy, that was a bad miss right there. just the angel telling you what's going on. He's just telling you the truth. But the reality is, is that we have to listen. This is what God wants. So then her response is verse 13. Her response is verse 13. Then she called the name of the Lord who spoke to her. You are the God who sees. You are Elroy. You are the God who sees. This, as we finish this morning, this is the essence of what is happening in our lives. We sometimes forget that God sees us. We feel as if nobody sees where we're going. Nobody sees what's happening. Nobody sees us in our affliction. Nobody sees us in our trial. Nobody sees us what's what, they didn't, no one sees us. And in fact, the abuse and the pain, we feel like God didn't even see. Like everybody else is acting like everything's okay. Everybody else is acting like everything's good, and God and you wonder, is God in the midst of all this? Where is God in all this? And so I want to fast forward a little bit in the story. You go all the way to Exodus chapter one. Exodus tells us that the fulfillment of the nightmare that Abraham had in Genesis 15, that his children are now enslaved in a land called Egypt. They are now the strangers. They are now in bondage. They are now, uh, they are now being brought down low. And now in verse 22, everything changes. Everything changes because it's not just that they are in servitude. Now they're being killed. The Bible says, So Pharaoh commanded all his people, saying, Every son who is born you shall cast into the river. And every daughter you shall save alive. This is the command of Pharaoh. And it's the Nile River. a big river. And so what he's telling his Egyptian people, Pharaoh is, he's telling them, he's saying, I want you to take all the Hebrew children's sons and when they're born these babies and throw them in the river and you will not be convicted of murder. You're going to be doing your country a service you're going to be you you're, you're going to do your country a service. Listen, it's just because it's legal doesn't make it right. I'll leave that one there. But the reality is is that there is a there is a there is a place here where the king is is wants to put a people under his thumb and he and he commands his children, excuse me, his his servants, his people to throw these children into the river. Throw these boys into the river. You see the, the problem with pain and a lot of times and the problem when people say things about you or do things against you, the whole world just keeps going on. Like a river. Listen, right now you could go over to the Apalachicola River, you could take a, a rock and throw it in the river and you would know that it was there you could know, You could count the, 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 the splash and the waves that came from the splash and over process of time, even those would go away and eventually the, the current will return back to normal and nobody will know what happened. And that's the way it happens a lot of times in trouble in our life. We deal with events. We deal with struggle. We deal with abuse. We deal with pain in our lives. And you look around and you say, why is this happened to me? I'm, I'm stuck in this thing. I'm stuck by this spring. I have no word. I have no way. I have nothing. To, I can, I know there's nothing I can do. And you wonder, does anybody see? And then you find there is a God named Elroy. That where you are, he sees you. He saw you in the midst of your storm. He saw you in the midst of your trouble. He saw what they did to you. He saw the abuse. He saw the pain. He saw the affliction. He saw the persecution. And it did not go unnoticed. You see, what I feel like many times as part of our issue is that we call it closure. We just got to let somebody has to know it happened. Somebody has to be aware of it going on. And somebody has to know what, what took place in my life. And I tell you, this is what God is speaking to you here this morning, those of you here today. That God sees you in the midst of where you're going. He sees you on your job. He sees you, what they're saying about you. He sees what's happening in your marriage. He sees what's happening at your house. He sees what's happening over your children. And you feel like nobody else saw it. But listen, I'm telling you, God saw. And you and this is not a, a prayer of judgment. And this is not a moment of judgment where God saw you. You know, like a kid, you know, mama saw you. That's not what we're talking about. We're saying this is a God who saw you because he was with you. This is a God who didn't leave you, didn't forsake you. This is a God who was actually right there in the midst of your trouble with you. This is a God that is called not not Ishmael, but he is called Emmanuel. He is the God with us. He saw you where you are. He was with you where you were. He wept with you when you wept. He rejoiced at the rejoicing in your life. He has been with you by your side your entire life. He has never left you. He has never forsaken you. And he has promised he's gonna go with you to the very end. Do not be dismayed and do not be discouraged and do not throw it away and do not feel like nobody cares because there is a God called El Roy, and He sees where you are, He sees you, He saw the midst of going on, and notice at the very end, sister, if you will go ahead and come to the piano. At the very end of this Exodus story, you find in Exodus chapter 14, Then the Lord said to Moses, Stretch out your hand over the sea, that the waters may come back upon the Egyptians, on their chariots, and on their horsemen. Cover the sea. Listen, there's a Red Sea thing. Sorry, brother. It's good their parents. This is mama. Pastors can make mistakes too. But here is the reality. The children of Israel had gone to the Red Sea. Their backs were against the wall. The water was there. They had no way. And God opened up the sea. God opened up the sea and brought them to the other side. He brought them to a place of deliverance. He brought them freedom like we have in this house this morning. He brought them free. He loosed our chains. He loosed our deliverance. He loosed our bondage. I tell you, if you don't get into this moment when the river, is, when the river of God is flowing, I tell you, you miss the breaking moment. You, you miss the breaker. You miss the anointing. You miss it. It's in these moments when the waters are troubled that the miracle takes place. And when we see this moment here where the miracle, the water is troubled and the water goes up this way and the water goes up that way and the miracle is is that the people of Israel, they were going to die but God saw them and brought them through. He saw them in the midst of their trouble. He saw them in the midst of their pain. He saw them in the midst of what was going on and He brought them through. And Moses, verse 27, stretched out his hand over the sea. And when the morning appeared, the sea returned to its full depth. The Egyptians were fleeing into it. So the Lord overthrew the Egyptians in the midst of the sea. And Then the waters returned and covered the chariots, the horsemen, and all the army of Pharaoh that came into the sea after them. Not so much as one of them remained, but the children of Israel I'd walked on dry land in the midst of the sea and the waters were a wall to them on their right hand and on their left now hear me this morning let's finish this the water was your barrier and then it became your testimony the water was the thing that your back was against And you thought it was going to kill you. And then God turned it. And you walked right through. But then, that same water that was a wall to you to allow you access to dry land is the same thing that God is going to use to take down your enemies. Oh, hold on. I ain't finished yet. The reality is, is when you trust in the Lord and you stop putting your hand to the plow and you stop putting your hand to the thing and looking back and, and you stop doing the thing but just going forward and going with God and putting your hand on the plow and just running with the Lord as fast as you can, I tell you, whatever barrier is in your way, He's going to move in Jesus' name. But that same barrier will then turn and be your enemy's downfall. Why? Because he's El Roy. He is the God who sees you. He is the God who sees where you are. Let's finish this. He is the God whose saw the children being thrown into the river he was the god who saw the abuse he was the god who saw them throwing them in there and th- say, treating them like trash and trying to throw the an entire nation and destroy them he saw the abuse he saw the pain he saw the murderous heart of pharaoh and so you know what god did he said, don't put your hand to it. Don't try to return it on your own. Let me have control and watch what I'll do. And he took, he took Pharaoh and he put him in the water and all of his army and all of his chariots, and all of his strength, and all of his might, all of those things that was used against his people. And he says, this is what I'm going to do to you, Pharaoh. I'm going to drown you in the same water that your enemy tried to kill you with. Now listen to me. This, this, this has to happen here. You see, the children didn't go to the Red Sea so that God could show them, that they could deliver them. The children went to the Red Sea because Pharaoh had an appointment with God that he was going to meet them on that day. And God brought his people to a place and they say, God, where are you? And God says, I'm right here and you're about ready to praise me in a way you've never praised me before. I'm going to bring you out of something that you've never been brought out before. I'm going to put a new song in. In your spirit, in your life, and Miriam began to dance like she's never danced before. Your pain is not coming at you for you; it's so the devil can be made a spectacle over you in your life. He was—you mm, got to receive that. He brought the children to the water so they could watch their persecutor die. It's kind of vicious. But it's the justice of God. It's the hand of God. It's the mercy of God that brought them through. And now he's going to bring them on to the promised land. Thank you for listening to the weekly podcast of East Point Church of God and Pastor Larry Sterling. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you.